0: Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of faith, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let me pray for us. Father, we do ask that your Holy Spirit would do its job and help us understand your word. Help us to leave here more affectionate for you, desiring to grow up in Christ, desiring to use what you have given us to pour back into one another. We pray this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. So last week... We saw Paul confront a modern-day lie. And guys, like I said, I just I think that uh, the devil's in on this lie. That is that the leaders in the church do all the ministry while the body passively sits by and receives the ministry from the leaders. And this confrontation actually puts both the leaders and the body in an awkward position. Why? Because it puts us both on the hook here. We see that the leaders equip the body for the work of ministry. So it puts the pressure on the leaders to train and disciple the body. To help equip them with the gift that they received from Christ. But it also puts the pressure or or puts the body on the hook to reflect and ask the question Am I doing the work of ministry or expecting the leaders to do it? Here's how we saw it last week the, the, the leaders, what they do is they equip the body to, to get on the playing field, to get on the court and play the game. And when one of the members, one of the body parts need to come off the court, need to come off the field, and they need care and attention. The leaders then care, they encourage, they give them a great pep talk and they send them back out. And why do we do this? Well, we do this, as as Paul puts it, to actually build up the body. Look, you have a Gift given to you by Christ. When he led out a host of captives, he gave gifts to men. It is by no chance that you are here this morning, sitting in the seat that you are sitting in. Look, guys, you are so important to the body here. You are so important to the person that you are sitting next to, in front of, or behind. You have a gift from Christ that can help grow that person more into Christ. This is is what Paul says the goal is. What Paul is basically saying is, guys, grow up. We're growing up to look like our big brother Jesus. That's what the goal is. That's what it's about. It's about maturity. It's about growing up. And so Paul here, he's, he's showing the ultimate goal of why leaders equip the church so that the church would grow out of childhood and into maturity. Not being swayed by conspiracies and false teachings of the day, But instead, building one another up in Christ by speaking the truth in love to one another. Really, this is what Paul is telling us right here. A maturing church is growing up into Jesus together. A maturing church is growing up into Jesus together. But the maturing process is so hard, isn't it? At times, the maturing process is... Painful. Why is this? Because of our flesh, our sin. It is just so much easier to act like a child sometimes. It's so easy, and it's 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 so much easier to get angry and throw a tantrum than to love and forgive your neighbor. It is just so much easier to run to your room and slam the door and distance yourself from the conflict when you are sinned against rather than pursuing peace and confronting sin. It is so much easier just to say, well, that's just who they are. It's easier to point the finger at another person and just say, well, they're the problem. It's them, instead of reflecting on your own actions. The spiritually mature person knows that the right thing to do may be the hard thing to do, but that the right thing will lead to greater fellowship with Christ and growth in the body. And so, here it is. Leaders equip the saints for the work of the ministry to help The body mature. This is Paul's deep desire for the church. It's so that they would grow to look more like Christ. As the leaders that he mentions in verse 11 equip the saints for the ministry, this this process starts to happen in the body. And this is an ongoing change, an ongoing process that will take a lifetime of involvement. See what Paul says here in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What Paul is saying is that we as Christians, as a a church body, are after full maturity. This is what we are after, full maturity, the fullness of Christ. Or, Or another way that we could say it is we are after perfect maturity. Do you know that this is actually what Jesus calls his hearers to on the Sermon on the Mount? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is why God chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Paul starts out this letter with this beautiful uh, uh, blessing. He starts out this letter with a beautiful call to worship, and, and he says, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, and blameless before him. So that way we would be perfect before him. So, let me ask this question to you guys. How's that perfection going? <laughs> Are you there yet? You perfect? You see, the tragic reality is is that when people hear about this perfection that we're talking about, this maturity that we are talking about, they think that it is in their own effort that they are able to be perfect. So so here, the professing Christian says something like this, if, if I just don't do this and do this and do this, and, and if I just separate myself from the world, and if I just then work on myself, then I'll become more mature. And the non-Christian, on the other hand, says something like this. If If I just work on being more positive, if I just work on bringing good vibes to this world, then I'll be more mature. But the problem with those two thoughts is, is this, that they depend on their own standard of maturity. Both of them in their own right say something like this, I define when I or them are mature. So, so something like this, if I am more conservative, I'm more mature. If I'm more tolerating, I'm more mature. how is maturity here being defined? Maturity here is being defined by morality. But Paul doesn't see spiritual maturity as morality. The world tends to say, the more moral I am, the more mature I am. But the Bible actually puts us all on the same playing field when it comes to maturity. How so? The Bible says this about us when it comes to our moral maturity. The Bible says that we are sinful, selfish brats that are only looking out for ourselves. This is what makes Jesus so incredible. This is what makes him so unbelievable. Is that he's not sinful. He's not selfish. And he's not a brat. <laughs> Jesus, by no means is in- Immature at all. He's not sinful. He's perfect. Jesus was tempted in every single way that you and I are tempted. Jesus was tempted to to break the law of God and yet never once stumbled never once broke a command. He's selfless. Not selfish. He he doesn't run from his responsibility, from the ministry that his heavenly Father gave him. Instead, Jesus takes full responsibility of his ministry To the point of dying on the cross. He doesn't run away from this responsibility and slam the door and hide. Instead, he's sacrificed, he's murdered for us. He takes on the full wrath and punishment of God for us. Jesus isn't a brat, he's compassionate. He's kind. He's, he's patient. He, he doesn't run from the problem. He, he doesn't I- explode. He never lets his anxiety and worry get the best of him and dictate how he responds to a situation. And why does he do this? Why does he respond this way? Why is this almost unbelievable? Well, it's because he embodies... Perfect maturity. He, he does this so that way when we trust in Him, we can actually be completely forgiven of our sins and be completely perfect in the Father's sight. So we, we can't base maturity on morality because the Bible says we're incredibly immature when it comes to morality. But because of Jesus, we can have peace and reconciliation with God. But this doesn't mean now that you just do what you want, does it? Well, no. If you trust in Christ, you you are a, a new creation. Or, as Jesus puts it, you're actually born again. You are an infant. You are a newborn creation. And so then the maturing process comes along with that. It's not a call to morality, but it's a call to grow up, to be like Christ. It's a call not to live by your own standard of maturity, but God's standard. His standard of maturity that you desire because of the Holy Spirit now indwelling in you. Because of being born again. let's let's think about it like this. Just like when a baby is born, a parent's job is not done. I was underneath. Uh, I was. Un- I was under the impression that when you had cho- uh, children, that the first two years were going to be the hardest. Right? That's just not true. Those first two years are like the easiest. <laughs> 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 the the parent's job is to help the child do what. Live, to mature, to get them to a place to be mature enough to function like an adult in this world. A parent doesn't just let the child figure it out, the parent trains the child, equips the child, and it just doesn't stop. It continues on well into adulthood. Let me illustrate it like this. Okay, you see me in the store and you see a certain child of mine in the store with me and he, he runs up and he brings me cookies. And I say, son, I'm sorry, we, we already had cookies uh, last week so we're not going to get cookies this week. And you see him throw the cookies down on the ground and you see him shout, but I want cookies now! Dad, and and if I don't get cookies, well, then I'm just not going to breathe. We kind of expect that from a four-year-old, right? At times. What if we traded the four-year-old for a, a 40-year-old? And we see the 40, 40-year-old grab cookies, bring it up to his dad and say, Dad, I, um, I want these cookies. And the dad says, I'm sorry, son, we had cookies last week and the 40 year old man throws the cookies on the ground stomps his feet and says but I want cookies now and I'm not going to breathe until I get my cookies now we would look at that and say there's probably a maturity problem wouldn't we? what if we switch The grocery store for Facebook. You see something on Facebook that you don't like or you disagree with, and you have the impulse to have to comment. What about after a Packers game when they lose? and the next few days are ruined. What about when your spouse doesn't meet your expectations and your needs? Or after watching news in the morning that upsets you and leaves a sour taste in your mouth for the rest of the day, you know, it's interesting if you read First John, you see John using this parent-child language with the people he's writing to. He goes so far as to even call out the children, the young adults, and the fathers. And I think he's not talking about children, young adults, and fathers. I think he's Talking about spiritual children, spiritual young adults, spiritual fathers. Why? Because leaders equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And as the church is being built up and equipped, maturity comes. Specifically, Paul says, unity. a knowledge of Christ. And you actually see more of Christ shaping in that body. So then what are some signs of maturity that Paul gives us here? Can we become fully mature, fully perfect in this lifetime? How can we know right now if we are middle-aged, yet have the spiritual maturity of a four-year-old. Clinton Arnold, he does a, a wonderful job at showing us why spiritual maturity is so important. Maturity is essential because it results in stability. Paul is constantly vigilant and concerned about threatening and unhealthy teachings that will surface within the Christian community. Now, I don't know about you, but I just long for stability. Guys, this world we live in is so unstable. The world we live in is so anxious and so worried that it brings so much instability. And the first sign of maturity that Paul gives us is stability. Paul says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. The maturing Christian is not like a ship being tossed back and forth in the storm in this unstable world. No conspiracy or false teaching that you read on Facebook or see and hear on Fox News and CNN tosses them around like a toy boat in a hurricane. Instead, these people who are spiritually mature are like a ship in a storm where the anchor has dropped. The wind and the waves may try to push them around, but the anchor of the soul, which is Christ, has them protected, has brought stability. The waves may beat them and the winds may push them, but the anchor keeps them stable where they are. This is what should take place as maturity is becoming more prominent in your life. This is what should happen when the leaders equip. The church community starts to experience gospel stability. They understand the gospel enough that when outside voices intentionally try to teach something that is contrary to what Paul has already listed, the one body, one spirit, one Lord, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, we detect it like a metal detector going off. That's what happens. So we, we, we know why Jesus comes. We're not tossed back and forth. We know why he's here, why he's come. We, we know why he saves. And we we know his promises. And so when the deceitful garbage is being taught and it comes our way, it doesn't lead us to worry and it doesn't lead us to anxiety. But instead, it leads us to gospel stability, which is hope and longing for more Jesus. Are you pushed around? Are you sick of being pushed around by the winds and the waves of the deceitful teaching, cunning teachings, Maybe, just maybe, if you're being pushed back and forth, it's because your stability isn't really in Christ like you think it is. But it's in what this world offers you. So the first sign of maturity is gospel stability. The next sign of maturity is speaking the gospel to one another. Or as Paul puts it, rather speaking... The truth in love. What we could also say here is we're confessing the truth in love, which I personally like better and think is a better way of saying this. I, I like it better because confessing conveys that we accept the truth of the gospel and that we are speaking it out loud to ourselves and to one another. I think sometimes we read that verse, speaking the truth in love and we distort it based off of how we think it's the most loving way to talk to a person. And I think Paul actually was very self-aware of this problem. Because we confess the truth, and we do it in love, as Paul says. Paul must have saw the tendency early on in the church for Christians to hang on to the truth and fight for the truth in ways that were just not so loving. John Stott, he helpfully illustrates it like this for us. I thank God there are those in the contemporary church who are determined at all costs to defend and uphold God's revealed truth. But sometimes they are uh, conspicuously lacking in love. When they think they smell heresy, their nose begins to twitch, their muscles ripple, and the light of battle enters their eye. They seem to enjoy nothing more than a fight. The mature Christian confesses the truth in love to their brother and sister. They don't do it out of hate. Which can look one of two ways. The first way it could look hateful is like fighting, arguing, bickering. The second, though, is more subtle and it's a lot more acceptable, especially in the Midwest. It looks like just distancing yourself and not saying a word. You know, to not say something Can actually be a lot more harmful than saying something aggressively. Why is that? Because you're leaving them in the dark. And so we are to confess the gospel to one another in love. Do you know the gospel? Are you able to speak the gospel to yourself? Are you able to speak the gospel to another person, to a Christian? Are you able to do it in such a way that the person may come away feeling conviction, but it's not because of some type of guilt trip that you thought through and communicated to them. But because they grieve how they have sinned against such a wonderful God. Here, let's have an example of this. Let's say you saw somebody in this church steal something. What would you do? How would you communicate to them? Maybe you would say something like, "I, Hey, brother, sister, I, I noticed that you took something that wasn't yours. Is everything okay? Is your heart worried? Is it jealous? Is it is it coveting something that it just doesn't need? Brother sister, your heavenly father loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And when he died for you, Jesus received all gifts all glory, all authority. And, and do you know that one day when you go to heaven you will receive a treasure far beyond anything that this earth could possibly ever give you? Do you want to talk about it? Are you doing okay? So here are the two ways that Paul sees the church maturing. Not being tossed around by false teachings of the day and speaking and confessing the truth in love to one another. And this process of maturity, it doesn't stop. It's ongoing. We will never reach a point in this lifetime where uh, where the maturing process that Paul is talking about will stop. It's because the goal is to look more like Christ, the fullness of Christ. And I'm just, I might just be crazy. Maybe I'm the only crazy one here in this room. I'm just going to dare to believe that I will never be perfect in this lifetime. We're just, uh, I'm, I, I, I'll speak for myself, I'm a work in progress. I don't know about you, but I am a work in progress. And so the leaders, they equip the saints for the work of the ministry to build the body up in the fullness of Christ. So we grow, we mature. We keep growing to look more like Christ. We grow up. This is what Paul says. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. A maturing church is a growing church. A maturing church is growing up into Christ together. It's a church that's working properly. It's working right. And so as the leaders equip, the saints mature. As the saints mature, they are no longer tossed to and fro by the fool's gold teaching that the world offers. As they're maturing and being equipped, they speak the gospel into one another's life. And then they use their giftings that Christ has given them to help build up the body. As one pastor, I think, cleverly put it, what the, what the leader's responsibility is is to equip the saints in such a way where the body is actually building up the body. So let's never presume that we've made it. Because as long as we are alive, there's just always going to be sin to fight. Let's never believe that we've made it, that we've reached full maturity in this lifetime because ironically, the one who thinks that they're mature is the one who actually ends up being immature. The immature person is the one who says, I've mastered my lust. I've finally got a grip and my anger is under control. My addiction, it's been taken care of. I no longer have to look out for it. You see, when we start thinking about maturity like that, what actually happens is the person is looking at maturity as morality. The more moral I've gotten, the more mature I've become. But Paul, he's not looking at maturity as morality. Paul sees maturity as something so much greater and more wonderful. It's growing up into Christ. Paul is looking at maturity as being so moved by the gospel that you don't want anything other than what Christ offers. You don't want to settle for anything else in this life other than Christ. You feel so deep down in your heart that although it's hard and awkward and scary at times, to do the right thing will lead to greater fellowship with Christ and growth in the body. At the end of the day, look, church, if this is the only thing that you get from this, hear this. At the end of the day, maturity is wanting to abide more with Christ. And it's wanting others to abide more with Christ using the gift that Christ has given you. That's what Christian maturity looks like. That's what spiritual maturity is. Abiding more with Christ and helping others to abide more with Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to be the perfect example of spiritual maturity for full maturity. And so would you help us as a church to be built up into full maturity. Allow Christ to reign supreme in our hearts. Help us to abide with him. Amen.